the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a term that we are all familiar with, Doubting Thomas. The etymology of that statement is next on today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Doubting Thomas, what a handle to be ascribed to. Holy cow. To be known throughout the rest of the ages as somebody who doubted, didn't believe. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We're continuing our survey of John, and here in chapter 20, verses 24 through 31, we encounter Doubting Thomas. And a question, the question is this, what will it take for you to believe? With more, here's Pastor Phil in today's broadcast of Truth For Today. We want to look at uh, uh, several things here as we wrap up this. Uh, We only have another chapter in the book, but here's where he hangs out the key to the book, the purpose. I'm going to look at three things. The purpose for which the book was written. We'll examine that closer. Two, the proofs that John rallied together to show Jesus to be not only the Christ, but Jesus to be the Son of God. Those rallied. What did he do to prove that? And it will be a review of the book, because this is the whole message of the book. And finally, we'll just look for a brief moment at the patience of God with unbelief. The patience of God with a doubting Thomas. He couldn't have been kinder to him for his, I won't believe. And Jesus actually accommodating and gives him unmistakable proof of who he is. <coughs> Let's look at uh, the purpose of the book and get that kind of ingrained in our mind. And you may get out early today. I'm sickly, puny, and don't feel like preaching. All right? So if you don't like the sermon, too bad. I'm just glad I'm here. And uh, what I may do in this, this service, like the first, is we, we did a Q&A at the end. If there's anything about this gospel so far that you don't understand, we'll have a question and answer period if you want to. Uh, why did he write this book? He wants you to show you the signs. He wants you to come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, believe he is the Son of God, and he wants you to believe. There's two reasons this book was written. One is evangelistic, and the other is apologetic. One, I want you to believe. I'm writing this book so that you will put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you read it just as literature, if you read it just as history, and you never put faith in Christ, you will have missed the purpose and the intent of the book. 
So this is why we often are giving this book to say, well, tell a, a, a new person, tell them to read the book of John first. Did you know the book of John is the most difficult of the four Gospels? It's the hardest one to understand as far as the great theological treasures of it. Just get in John 5. Let's camp a little bit in John 10, John 16. Uh, it's profound theology, but we give it to them because he said this is the purpose for which it was written. So, in that, uh, if this is the purpose, I want you to believe that Jesus is the Christ. What is he saying? He's saying, Yeshua HaMashiach. I want you to believe this is the promised Messiah of the prophets and the Psalms. This is who he is, unmistakably. Not another claiming one, not another itinerant prophet, whatever. He is the Messiah. He's the unique Messiah. Then he says something else. I want you to believe that he is the Son of God. Now, what in the world does that mean, Son of God? Uh, you see, when we think of Son, we think of progeny, we think of procreation, uh, we, we think of somebody spun off, this offspring. But the word Son in Scripture is used four different ways, of four different groups is this term used. Sons of God were used to refer to the angels in Job 1 and 2. In the morning of creation, the sons of God sang at creation. They went into the hallelujah chorus as they saw God spinning out the Milky Way as God created in those six days. They were in awe and they were singing. They were just overwhelmed. So angels are actually called sons of God. Now what's interesting, you don't procreate angels. They weren't ever procreated. They never just spun off. They were created, no procreative power. So he's using that as a special category. Then he used son of God to speak of the nation of Israel. I have called my son out of Egypt, Hosea 11.1. 1. Uh, they are my firstborn son. No other nation did he ever call his son. But he called Israel his son. He called Israel his firstborn. And whether you like Jews or not, God said, that's my firstborn people of all the nations, just as nations. And I've got special promises I've made to them. I've got a Messiah coming to them. I'll bring the scriptures through them. And I've got a kingdom program I'm going to fulfill to them. I'm going to fulfill it to Abraham, to David. I'm going to keep my promises to Israel. Treat them like my firstborn son. Double inheritance. Then, when you come to the New Testament, you've got us being called sons of God. Now, those who are born again are now in the category of a son. What's the difference of being a child of God and a son of God? Have you ever thought of that? There's places we're called children of God. There's places we're called sons of God. What's the difference? Well, this is the difference. A child may not uh, be entitled to 
the firstborn inheritance. A child simply means a birth relationship. Son was the position of privilege. And Galatians says that. We're no longer under babysitters and under tutors and mentors. We are treated like sons. We have adult privileges. We have all the blessings of the household. So you are given this great status of being called a son of God. By the way, this is so important that on your worst day, the Spirit of God is the one yelling in your spirit, you're a son, you're a son, you're a son. You don't realize that, but it's true. Galatians 4 says, the Spirit cries out loudly. And Romans says, he's witnessing to my spirit. You are a son. Act like it. You are a son. And if you've never heard that, maybe you're not. Because it's a work the Spirit does in every believer. And it's not tied to your gender. Even a sister is called a son of God. You've been born to privilege. But when it comes to Jesus Christ... What is he? Some said he's a spinoff. God procreated him somewhere. At some point in time, he began. Not so. John began the book. In the beginning, while all things were there, he was already existing. He's eternal, never had a beginning. It's used when he called God his father. Look at uh, John 5. 5. Um, 16, Jesus healed the man at the pool, uh, and he just didn't do it on the right day. You know, you, you got to be sure you keep your religious calendar up. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. I don't think we'd think a thing about that if right now you said, my father. Did you know what? We're never told to call God my father. It's our father. We're in a community relationship. This is unique. Now watch. The Jews were offended by him saying that. God is my father. They got mad. Look what they did. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father. And notice how they understood it. Making himself equal with God. Now, why didn't Christ correct their misunderstanding? Wouldn't that have been simple? Oh, oh you don't understand. I'm not saying I'm equal with God. Oh, yeah, I am saying that. There's nothing to correct. And then, if you read the rest of the chapter, he goes on to say, you know what? God, can, the Father can resurrect, so can I. God the Father, matter of fact, he won't even judge anybody. He's committed it all to me. The Father can do something, I can do it. He never refuted it, he just waited in. Absolutely, I am equal to the Father in authority and deity. John 10, 10, I, 10, 30, I and the Father are one. Oh, that's interesting. How is that possible? Is God the Father and the Son the same person? 
How could they be one? Huh? They're one in unity. And the word for one is neuter here. They're one thing. They share the essence of God. I and the Father share the same essence. We're one thing. We're God. I'm not the same person as the Father, but I'm of the same deity. I am God. He's God. So we're not duplicate persons. So this whole book is written, say, I've written this book in order that you may say, Jesus, the human Jesus, fulfills the office of Messiah, Christ. Two, I want you to know that this Jesus is God in the flesh. God in the flesh. Can you uh, believe in Jesus and buy other gods? Can you be saved and not believe in a Christ that is deity? That question came up in the first service. Someone says, can you be saved and not believe in his deity? Can you be saved and also go into the Muslim religion? Can you be saved and buy a lesser view of Jesus than what John portrays? Now, what did John do to defend his position? He gave eight signs, eight miracles. He turns water to wine. He heals the nobleman's son. He heals the man at the pool of Bethesda. He feeds 5,000 people in John 6. Uh, He raises Lazarus in chapter 11. Uh, He raises himself from the dead. In chapter 21, there's going to be a miraculous drought of fish that he does. He selects these miracles. Only God could do this. Only a man from God. Then, all through this book, he rallies the witnesses like he's in court. There's John the Baptist, the greatest prophet that ever lived among men. He said, I'm Messiah. I'm the Lamb of God. He announced it. I led a man to Christ in John 3, Nicodemus, a self-righteous Pharisee. John 4, I led a fallen woman to Christ. John 5, I got a man at the pool who'd been there 38 years well. On and on, I got these witnesses. The Father witnesses to me throughout the book. The Old Testament prophets, he said, witnessed to me over and over and over. Now, let me ask you, what more do you want? As though God needs to waste his breath proving to you anything. What would I have to do if you came and said, I don't believe you exist? Tell me that. Well, let me, please do it. I I want you to believe I exist. And look at God. What does God have to do to prove to you that he really exists and that he's got a son called Jesus and that he's the only way to eternal life? How How has God communicated to us? His word, creation, He's hung out his signature on all of creation. He's given his word through prophets, through inscripturation, through the apostles. I mean, when you think about it, let's just see this. Well, I would believe if you gave me more proof. Is our problem that there's not enough proof? That's all I'm saying. Why is it that people don't accept it? No matter with irrefutable proof.
because of the fallenness in us that we're darkened to the things of God, that the natural man does not welcome the things of God, but God has gone out of his way, gone out of his way to give us the proof, to give us the proof. I'm not asking you to believe something that I didn't authenticate by signs, authenticate by witnesses, uh, or do something like this. You remember when he came, they, they came to get him in the garden? Jesus did this. Uh, the guard spoke, uh, trying to get Jesus. Uh, I'm looking for Jesus, and Jesus simply said, I am. Uh, what did they do? Now you try that. A policeman's going to arrest you. You just simply say, I am. Just say, just say I am. See what effect it has. No effect. This was an evidence that that I am term, I am, goes all the way back to Exodus 3. Because he revealed himself by a different name to the patriarchs than I am. Not to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He, he appealed a different name. But when he met Moses at that bush, he said, the I am is talking to you, Moses. The I am that I am being. It's a Hebrew word. It's hard to get a handle on it. It's the verb to be. I am being what I am being. I am eternal. I'm unchanging. I am being what I will be. I am being what I will be. I am being what I will be. I am the I am God. And so seven times in the book, I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door to the sheepfold. I am. I am. I am. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? The Jew did. Because they knew I am. Ego I me in the Greek. They knew that phrase right there. You don't go around saying you're I am. Unless you are. And so John says, I've written my book to show you that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Son of God. And that by believing... You may have life in his name. Now, here's an interesting thing. What does believing mean? What does believing mean? Is it pure factual believing? I believe the facts. That's, that, you have to start with facts. What are you asking me to believe? So we start with Knowledge, factual data. Give me the case. What are you asking me? Okay, here's the data you're asking me to believe. So just pure knowledge, and I'm afraid many people have been uh, so-called saved because they said, I believe Jesus died, buried, rose again, and they're not saved. But they know the formula. They said they believe it. They believe the facts. I believe the facts all my life. Raised in a Christian home. There's never been a time I need anyone to tell me the gospel. Tell that to the pagan kids. But I'm still going to hell. I was still lost. So I didn't get more information the night I got saved. I didn't say, whoo, 
uh, I just found out Jesus uh, died. I just found out he's... No, I didn't find that out. I knew it all my life. I believe that. I, I, I would argue with the guy on the street. Don't bring up God. Don't say God damn when we're out. You can say SOB, but don't say God damn. Why? I had a God consciousness from my family. I didn't mind all the other terms. Do that. But don't bring God into it. Don't bring God into this. I'm going to hell, but I know who I'm rejecting. I knew who I was rejecting. Wasn't in the dark. So there's three parts that the Latins developed over the concept of believe. And they used three Latin words. Gnosia, essentia, and fiducia. And this is the three concepts that they unload from believe. One is facts, notion, the facts of the case. The second one is assent. Uh, I'm convinced these facts are true, and, and I give uh, consent. Subjectively, I resonate with it. It is true. I have the assurance that it is the truth. But you still haven't touched the will. It's only in fiducia that we get the word for rely, a commit, trust, trust. That something in me says, I will trust what I've had revealed in these facts. Now, here's something interesting. What, what saves? Let me ask you this. What saves? The facts, Jesus died, buried, rose again. Do those facts save or does the person save? Does just Jesus died, buried, rose again, does that save you? Now, he said these people were saved unless they believed in vain. The issue is you don't throw out the gospel, but the gospel must reach through the facts to the person. It's the person that saves. The person. And the person knows when in your heart you've assented to the facts, and in your heart you've stretched out the empty hand of faith and says, I take you, Christ, as my Savior. I'm relying on you. I'm trusting you. I have believed in you. Now, today, we have so much confusion among people. Uh, I believe. I believe. I know the facts. And yet, there's no life change. There's nothing different about what's going on in their life. And so we say, is this authentic faith? Demons have faith. Demons have faith. They tremble at the thought there is God. Saving faith not only knows the facts, not only gives assent, but it reaches to the person. I am taking Christ personally as my Savior. I'm relying on him to save me. Because that's the only way, according to John, you could ever have eternal life. You do the Sermon on the Mount all your life, and you can't do it, but say you do, it won't give you eternal life. It never promised eternal life. Only faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and John uses it 100 times. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. 
God so loved the world, He gave His Son, that whosoever believeth shall be saved. Believe, believe, that is the hallmark term from John's Gospel. Believe. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone, and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station. We would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? Another note as we close out our time today, while Pastor Phil is the pastor emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we are still very much a part of this body. And if you are looking for a church, we would invite you to join us. Now, we know that this current crisis has us all sequestered away. So you can join us at valleybible.org, where we stream our services. Again, valleybible.org. And then, as we find ourselves released from this quarantine, we will be meeting together here in Hercules. And for information, directions, and details, again, visit valleybible.org. And then, we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 